Black Tree Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black Tree Crime. Hello, everyone. Hi, guys. I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And this is Black True Crime. If this is your first time here at the show, friend, welcome and hello. Hi, what's going on? Come in the room. Enjoy. Let's relax (laughs) and talk together. Let's relax and talk together. Although this case is not very relaxing. It's actually completely and utterly awful. Oh, and a little heavy. I think the sheer amount of victim names I'm going to be saying is going to weigh on all of us. So this is a doozy. Okay, no relaxing. Are you ready? Are you guys ready? Let's get started. The 1970s and the 80s are undoubtedly the birthplace of American serial killers. Some of the most notorious still mentioned today started their reigns of terror during these decades, and the person we're going to talk about today is no different. Join us as we discuss the Sunday morning slasher and one of the most prolific serial killers of all time, Carl Eugene Watts. Ooh, he sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. I feel like... I feel like we've definitely heard about this man. Yeah, I think we talked about it with Phil again. Mm-hmm. And I have to find the interview we did with Phil and post it on Patreon. I just can't fucking find it. Okay, Krista, are you ready? Because this one's pretty fucking gnarly. Ooh, yeah, let's get into it. Carl Eugene Watts, a.k.a. Coral, was born on November... Yes, Kristen, Coral, as in C-O-R-A-L. He gave himself the nickname... Is he trying to be funny? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's... Bitch, I don't know. But I wouldn't call myself no Coral if I had the choice. Coral, don't play with me. That's all I have to say already. <laughs> to each their own. So Coral was born on November 7th, 1953 in Killeen, Texas. And Killeen is like three hours east of Houston. His parents were Richard Eugene and Dorothy Mae Young, but they weren't together for long. By the time Carl turned two, the couple had separated and Carl ended up living with his mother. Both of them had jobs, though, and seemed to be doing well. His father was a private first class in the army. It's not a really high rank at all, but, you know, it's something. And his mother was a kindergarten teacher. Okay, so they were middle class. They're able mm-hmm. to at least get by. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like he didn't have a hard knock life at the beginning. After the divorce, Carl's mother moved to Inkster, Michigan, leaving Carl behind for a while with his grandmother, who spent a lot of time with him. So they became pretty close. In 1962, Dorothy married a man named Norman Caesar, and the couple would go on to have two daughters. So he mm-hmm. ended up having two sisters, which is very strange because of what he ends up doing to women. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. As a young kid, Carl came off as a pretty odd one. According to his grandmother, he always had an interest in hunting, killing, and skinning dead animals. 
Okay. I mean, I think I would have been okay with the hunting and the mm-hmm. killing part because I think they mean the same thing. But the skinning part, and he enjoys that, that's kind of creepy. It's given taxidermy. As a kid, you know, mm-hmm. that's red flag number one. And I found it to be really strange that around the time his little sisters were born was the same time that Carl started having sadistic fantasies about torturing and killing girls and women. Yeah, like Carl. What is it really giving? Is this how you feel about your own sisters? Later, he will say that it didn't have anything to do with them. But the timing, I just wanted to note the timing because it is a possibility that this had something to do with it. Especially if he wanted more attention from his mom, was resenting her new relationship, things like that. Right. At age 13, Carl ended up contracting meningitis and had to miss a lot of school because of it. And it also caused some long-term learning effects. Because meningitis can kill you. Dang. Meningitis mm-hmm. used to be one of those big killers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So because of his learning disabilities that were newly introduced to him, he was held back a grade. But this didn't help him improve in school. He still struggled heavily, so much so that at the age of 18, he was only reading at a third grade level. Oh, wow. He was also heavily bullied at school. So Carl, who's already showing signs of not being okay is isolated from real social interaction and kind of just left to his already fucked up thoughts it's just a recipe for absolutely not disaster and carl might be a little slow too which is not Mm -hmm. helping yeah that's what they're implying and i think it may have been something that was going on with him even before the meningitis happened right And it wouldn't be too soon after he started having the thoughts that he began acting on them because by age 15, Carl was actively stalking young girls. And many believe this is the same year he killed his first victim. Wow. 15 years old is too young to be a killer, Carl. It's too young. You shouldn't even know how to kill, why to kill, what to kill. But he's been practicing. I know. We're going to talk about why he claims he targeted women so heavily. Um, I don't know if I fully believe that this is like 100% the reason, but you know, who the fuck am I? But we're going to talk about it. Carl even attacked a woman when he was on his paper route. And when he was apprehended by police, he claimed he did it because he, quote, just wanted to beat someone up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Angry kid. Very angry kid, doesn't know what to do with his hands. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. We don't, we're not here for Carl. And we know that people's upbringing can have a lot to do with how they turn out. So there's other places to blame as well as Carl. But at the end of the day, nobody's forcing you to do what you will go on to do. So accountability has to fucking happen sometime. Absolutely. And just because you felt like beating somebody up, should not warrant you actually doing it so he either has no respect for laws and Mm -hmm. society Mm -hmm. no boundaries Mm -hmm. no it's not it's not an option i don't think he has any boundaries no he doesn't and by age 17 he'd be arrested for sexually assaulting a 26 year old named joanne gave carl would undergo a psych evaluation that deemed him mildly mentally so they use the r word I don't know if that's like, it's not acceptable, but it's used in the proper way in this sense. Mm -hmm. 
His IQ was 68, which is extremely low. And it was also said that he had a delusional thought process. Whatever. So Carl is toe up from the flow up. He's not working with a full deck. No. And he's hurting people, specifically women. And I'm like, you have a staff sergeant as your father. How is he getting away with being so unruly? Well, he's a first private class. And once his mother and his father divorced, he was spending most of his time with his mother. So, you know, I'm sure she was working a lot. I'm sure she was tending to her younger girls and stuff. So he kind of fell through the cracks. Okay. Mm -hmm. Carl is a hot mess. We agree. But not everyone agreed. Investigators that interrogated Carl after the attack said that he came off as being very intelligent and even commented on how great of a memory he has. Okay, well, is memory linked to intelligence? One. (laughs) I can see how people would just automatically want to believe that that's true, but I'm not sure because, Christopher, what the fuck do we know? What do we know? We don't. don't My memory is terrible, but I think I'm very fucking smart, so who knows? Period. That's what I'm saying. Are they even linked? Because you can have one and not the other. Mm -hmm. The courts didn't agree. And based its decision on the psyche vow. So 16-year-old Carl, yes, 16, was sentenced to the Lafayette Clinic in Detroit, which is a mental hospital. And in less than six months after the attack, Carl was released and back on the streets. You, But you said 17. He um, he took advantage of a 26-year-old. Yeah, so he it was his, the year that he was turning 17. So he okay. was still 16. Okay. But he would be 17 when he got out of the uh, mental place, mental hospital. Mm -hmm. They're keeping up, sister. Mm -hmm. And when he got out, he was required to go to an outpatient treatment center. But to me, that's too free for my liking. You are clearly completely unhinged and you need to be locked down and monitored. Yeah, for just one year in the mental facility, what are the conditions on releasing a person? How do you know if they're improving? Great question, especially when one psychiatrist can diagnose you with one thing and another one can diagnose you with another. It's like, how can we keep this? Where are the checks and balances? You know, mm-hmm. that's why they say psychology is not a science because science is supposed to be exact. Oh, that's tough. So, yeah, he's too free for me. And especially because his outpatient psychiatrist, Dr. Gary Ainsworth, said this about him, quote, This patient is a paranoid young man who is struggling for control of strong homicidal impulses. His behavior controls are faulty and there is a high potential for violent acting out. This individual is considered dangerous. Do not let him go. Do not let him go. Do not let him collect $200. This is not okay. Oh my gosh. And she said that he's fighting impulses, which is like, it's given... Multiple personality disorder. Given <laughs> somebody else Hearing voices inside of me, you know? Yeah, yeah. The worst of the worst. But despite his run-ins with the law and brief stint in a mental hospital, Carl was still able to graduate high school in 1973. He okay, did- <laughs> Carl. Not mad at you there. I mean, how hard is it? He graduated when he was 19, by the way. No shade to people that have to... How about to say, Caleb, takes them a while. who was 20 and was a junior? I know, but I think for Carl, I don't like it because he's 19 in school with younger women who he's still preying on and was often getting in trouble for in school. 
Yeah, so. that's that's literally that's his playground is school. Yeah, yeah. At that point, and he also developed a drug habit. I don't know what drug he was doing, but he was doing drugs. And he was a loner, so he spent a lot of time by himself just thinking and probably practicing on animals. He's just baby serial killer already. (laughs) If my son comes out doing any of these things, I'm sending him somewhere. I don't know where Beyond Scary Straight's not going to do it. No. What? That's why that show is no longer a thing. He needs an exorcist at this point. There's a demon inside of him. Yes, he is possessed. (laughs) Or... He is struggling with his mental capacity because Mm -hmm. if you think about it, we all have things inside of us that tell us to do one thing and we clearly know that it's wrong, you know, but we also have the, I guess, unction to not do those things, the Mm -hmm. intelligence to know that that's not going to serve me. Right. And Carl isn't all the way there. So maybe he's not able to handle those impulses like a normal person would. I agree, sister. I agree. Carl even received a football scholarship to Lane College in Jackson, Tennessee. Dang, Carl. Just background checks aren't a fucking thing. I'm going to say. <laughs> Carl, no one cares. you be slow? You graduated high school? A lot of people don't even do that. You got a, a, a scholarship to play football? Carl, yeah. please get it together. We clearly know. know you won't, but I needed you to get it together. Would have been nice. And I'm glad that he, when he got there, he never got to play because apparently he had an injury, like he hurt himself. So he was just fucking there. But he was only there for three months because he was soon expelled for stalking and assaulting women on campus. Uh Uh-oh. Kristen. He is addicted. He cannot stop, cannot help himself. It sounds like somebody we know. We brought him up on the show before. Mm-hmm. And somebody called him out. I know. They knew exactly who we were talking about by name. It was First crazy. and last. Yes. Yes. Shout out to our eagle-eared listeners because y'all be fucking knowing shit. <laughs> y'all are some researchers on your own time. Period. They really do. They, they'll know. I'll say two things and they go research those two things and figure out everything I just said. <laughs> Somebody messaged me this week and said they knew who Terrell's baby mama was. I was like, damn, like, did I give that much detail? (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Crazy. Crazy. Okay. There was also a rumor going going around that a lot of people suspected Carl of being involved with the murder of a young female student. But there was apparently no real evidence to convict him with, so he was able to skate for that. Wow. We have a predator at the school, a known predator who preys on women, and a woman Mm -hmm. dies. Mm -hmm. They don't have any evidence linking him. I mean, you can have all the circumstantial evidence that you want, but if you don't have the smoking gun, I guess, and especially because of the way he was attacking, we're going to get to it, it was really hard for them to gather any type of evidence on him. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Somehow Carl was offered another scholarship and a mentoring program at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. But before he left, he received another psych evaluation at the outpatient facility. And he wasn't even going in that bitch like he was supposed to, y'all. He was just popping in and out. So not really getting any help. At least he went. At least he's diagnosed. You know, half of these people out here aren't even diagnosed as Mm -hmm. being as crazy as they really are. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of our cases, they don't even have that to start with 
Right. They were given no help, nothing, no paper trail of their damage in their head, mm-hmm. none of it. Mm-hmm. So he had the psyche vow, and the conclusion was that he was still a danger to women and had a strong impulse to beat them. But because of some confidentiality clause, the authorities nor the officials at the Western Michigan University were warned. Which I'm like, isn't patient confidentiality totally null and void once people are in danger of this person or if this person is in danger of themselves? Literally, and better help, they tell you, <laughs> I will keep your secret unless yeah. yes. you say you're going to harm others or you feel like harming others or yourself. Mm-hmm. Period. And shout so out to BetterHelp. Because shout out to BetterHelp. Yeah, use our code. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Black True Crime and get 10% off your first month. Period. I know that's right. But yeah, this is also the 1970s, so who knows if anyone was even giving a shit about stuff like that at that point. It was Also, the are they trying to give Carl any medication? Great question. I don't know. But he's clearly not taking it. Right. In 1974, Carl would start college at WMU and his career as a serial killer. Ooh, fantastic. College is the literally perfect place for a serial killer. Yeah. And just think about how trusting people are in college, how you just assume everybody's supposed to be there. And that's not the case. Yep. And I've experienced that personally. And it honestly seems like Carl wasted no time getting to it, and he developed his signature MO just as quickly. 20-year-old Carl would kidnap the victims from their homes, torture them for however long he chose, and then he killed them. Did he have some secret hideout on campus where he was torturing these girls? No, so it's strange to say that he kidnapped them. I don't think he necessarily like took them from their homes. Some of the victims he did, but a lot of them he attacked right in their own doorways to attack them while they're getting out of their cars, while they're jogging, things like that. And then he would do what he was doing and then kill them. But one very strange detail is he never sexually assaulted or raped his victims. Which, really? Yes, yeah, so glad to hear that. At least they didn't have to go through every ring of hell. Right. But yeah, he didn't do, he stayed away from that. And I think it was more so about not leaving, you know, evidence, not trying to get caught. Because if you do have sexual relations, you're more than likely to leave your DNA behind. This is true. But for him to even have the restraint to not do that mm-hmm. clearly shows he's not, he may not be a sexual sadist because yeah, he's not. they crave that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely not a sexual sadist, but he is definitely a, a vicious murderer. I'm genuinely shocked. Usually the I two know. go in hand, hand in I hand. I know. Very shocking, I know. So the way that he would kill his victims is it kind of varied. Sometimes it would be strangulation. More times than not, it was stabbing. Um, Sometimes he drowned them and even beat them, but almost never did he use a gun. I didn't see a case where a gun was ever used. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he, he liked to get his hands dirty. Exactly. Yep. His main targets were actually white women between the ages of 14 and 44. And he started, I mean, hit the ground running when he got out there, starting with an unsuccessful attempt, which thank God it was unsuccessful. On October 25th, 1974, Lenore Nizaki. Mm-hmm. 
was attacked after she opened her front door to a man that said he was looking for Charles. She fought like hell and was able to like get the guy to flee. When we know the Good guy job. is Carl. Mm-hmm. Good job. Yes. But just five days later, 20-year-old Gloria Steele wouldn't be as lucky. And she was found stabbed to death with over 33 wounds to her chest. Wow. Good Lord. A witness recalled talking to a man that said he was looking for someone named Charles in the area. So I don't know why he's saying that. I know it's easy to just walk up to someone and say, hey, I'm looking for somebody and kind of have their guard down. Um, But using the same name, I don't think it's that smart. It's not, but we know Carl's not that smart. We do know that. We do know that. On November 12th, a woman named Diane Williams was attacked but survived and was able to see her attacker's car and reported it to police. Period. It wasn't long before the authorities tracked down the car and arrested the driver, Carl Watts. Easy, right? Okay. Lock him up for good, or at least 25 years. I was about to say, it's too early in this show, so clearly that's not going to happen. Yeah, way too early. So Diane and Lenore were able to pick him out of a lineup and said, you know, this was the guy that attacked us, and he was charged with assault and battery. Period, Carl. When speaking with police, he admitted to attacking around 15 women, but didn't talk about nor take responsibility for the murder of Gloria Steele. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, I'm an animal, but not an not animal that's killer. about to willingly go to jail for the rest of my life. I'm not telling you I did that. But I'm like, Carl, so what are you really doing? <laughs> like, Why would you even tell them that you've assaulted 15 women? It's like he it's like when people know, OK, if I tell a little bit of the truth, but hold mm-hmm. back the major one, then maybe yep. someone will believe me. Yes, I think it has something to do with that. But I also think it has something to do with being proud of what he's done. Like, think about it. If you do something that you're specifically proud of, but can never tell anybody, having an opportunity to say at least part of what you've done is, I mean, you're going to take it. Absolutely. You're basically itching for it. Yes, begging for it. Carl wouldn't immediately go to jail for these crimes, though. Oh, no. His lawyer was able to convince the court to let Carl commit himself to the Kalamazoo State Hospital. They convinced Carl to admit himself to jail or to the mental health. (laughs) Which one? Yes, to the state hospital. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure this decision was largely based on his past and what they already know that he was diagnosed with. But I'm thinking allowing someone to commit themselves, there's just too much freedom in that. Are they allowed to omit them? Like, are they allowed to take themselves out? I don't like this. Yeah, because that doesn't sound like a punishment at all if you're giving a person a choice to do it or not. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You're giving them the courtesy and their vicious assaultist. At this point, because we don't know for sure that he's killed anyone, but he is a killer. I'm like, do people pity Carl? (laughs) Because he's getting a lot of chances here. I mean, let's take a look at him. Let's let's see what it's really giving. Because when I see him, I'm like, my guard isn't down. If you take one glance into his eyes, your guard is up. I see red flags. I see the devil. Yeah. If I'm looking at him... And he asked me, excuse me, I'm looking for somebody. I'd be like, sidestep, who are you looking for? Because it's it ain't not me. me. That's what I said. It ain't me, bitch. And cross the fucking street. I mean, his eyes look soulless. 
empty. I wonder if he was like, did he carry himself in like a childlike way? Was he young acting because he was a little slow? Like, what is it giving? So he was, he was described as like a nice guy. He was slow to speak in a sense. Like he was more of a listener. He was soft-spoken, well-mannered type of thing. So he wasn't giving well, well, well. Mm. He was just, he was just tormented, it seems. And he kind of kept it in him. Yeah. I also read that he would eventually admit in one of his evaluations that he strangled two women to death. Now, these evaluations happen between the time he was 15. Remember when he uh, first got in trouble? No, I'm sorry. Was it 16? 16 when he first got in trouble. And then 19, he's dealing with the outpatient therapist. Between that time, he admitted to killing two people. So before he's even 20, he said, yes, I've I've killed two women. And, and no one's doing anything. Me. Nobody's doing anything about it. Nobody's doing anything about it. They're I'm not even saying, okay, you can't go to college because right. <laughs> you are a threat to the women on this campus. Exactly. There's no, like I said, checks and balances. Who's going to do what needs to be done? Mm. The Kalamazoo Hospital diagnosed Carl with an antisocial personality disorder. He was deemed dangerous and considered to be someone that, if given the opportunity, would definitely offend again. Okay. He was also found competent to stand trial. So for the battery and assault charges, Carl pleaded no contest and was sentenced to just one year in jail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was a free man by June 1976. And he went back to Detroit to live with his mama. I'm like, is it because he has mental issues? Like... How is but he getting the, off with one year in state hospital, one year in jail? How? Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't think people with mental illnesses should be judged or locked down because we're afraid of what they could possibly do. I think the right resources should be available for them to either get the help that they need or if help is just not something that they can actually receive, then you lock them down. But I think in his case, he's not receiving any rehabilitative services or medication or something that can actually curve these urges and stuff. So if yeah. that's not happening, why is the solution to keep letting him the fuck out? I don't. Is fresh air going to do it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Because like when you let him out, they have more stressors. There's way more things going on. I mean, even if a mentally ill person was in jail or prison, that's still more controlled, a more controlled atmosphere than being out in these streets. Exactly. (sighs) So now we're about to get into the horribleness of why we're here today. Oh, no. In October of 1979, his little gross ass would end up getting arrested again. He was caught essentially hunting in a Southfield, Detroit suburb, but the charges were later dropped. Hunting what? Animals? Kristen, no. People? He- yes, Kristen, women. And the charges were dropped by whom? The fucking state. I guess they didn't have like evidence, evidence. to say, oh yeah, you were lurking over here, so you were hunting for women to kill. Hey, but they- Carl. I know. But they did note that in 1978, the year before, five women in the same suburb had reported being attacked, all in similar circumstances. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, this is the time where I just feel like circumstantial evidence should have been enough and just lock them up. 
You know, we've gone over cases where two two witnesses can put you in prison, right? <laughs> two with two eyes in between, with two eyes between them. They could have, they could be eyeless, bitch, and still send your ass to jail. And their stories don't add up. Nick is still sending <laughs> exactly. them to jail. So what's it really giving? That's what I'm saying. Carl, do they think you're slow? Like, are they, I mean, you are, but like, are they underestimating you? It's 1970s. And let's be real. One thing that I really noticed is that because these victims are white, I feel like in the 1970s, the idea that only white people kill white people, only black people kill black people was still going around. It was actually like a big thing, I think, back then. So wow. they maybe were like, there's no way he could have killed these white women. And as a black man, not going to prison longer for a year for possibly abusing white women. Mm-hmm. Like that is just insane. Yeah. Even yeah, the if justice they don't... system fails everyone. <laughs> everyone. All the time and every mm-hmm. single year. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what time period you're in. The justice system is not going to do you right. Yeah. It's going to take your booty hole if you let it. Mm-mm. After the charges were dropped, it seems like Carl decided to go crazy and the number of victims rose drastically. On Tuesday, October 9th, 1979, 22-year-old Peggy Pochmara was found strangled to death. On Wednesday, and I'm just I'm just going to tell you guys now, it's going to be a lot of names. I'm just going to not rush through them, but I'm going to give it to you straight and we're going to get through this together cuz it's horrible. I'm going to actually ask Kristen to count on her fingers if she can, how many people as we go to really make it feel fucking real for her, me and anybody watching on Patreon. Oh my God. uh, I hate this. You're going to hate it. So Peggy Pochmara, one finger sister. Rest in peace to Peggy. Rest in peace, Peggy. You're not just a finger. You are a person. Yes. On Wednesday, October 31st, 44-year-old Jean Klein was found stabbed to death in Gross Point Farms. Tuesday, March 11th, 1980, 23-year-old Hazel Knopf was found strangled in Detroit. Monday, March 31st, 23-year-old Denise Dunmore was found strangled. On Sunday, April 20th, police received a call that 17-year-old Shirley Small had been attacked at her home. She was cut and stabbed multiple times and unfortunately bled to death. God. On Saturday, May 31st, 27-year-old Linda Monterio was found strangled. And it just keeps coming. 26-year-old Glenda Richmond was found dead from 28 stab wounds in her own doorway in July of 1980. And 20-year-old Rebecca Huff was found dead outside of her front door from over 54 stab wounds. In September of 1980. How does he have time to just be sitting there and stabbing them in their doorway? How does he have the access? How is he? And most of these attacks are happening like late in the morning, you know, 3 to 5 a.m. type of times. Right. So I can understand how it was easier for him to sneak up on them. But even even so, in a white neighborhood? Right. Nobody's noticing this black man walking up to women at their front doors in the middle of the night. I'm confused as hell. Like, is he knocking on the door? Like, what is it giving? Because I would be damned if I opened the door at 3.30 to 5.30 in the morning for anybody. Yeah, never happening. No. Unannounced? Are you joking? Right. Exactly. 
And at this point, the authorities are losing their fucking minds. The media has dubbed the killer the Sunday morning slasher. These young women are just dropping like flies. They don't know who's doing it or even where the fuck to start. Sure. Shirley, Glenda, and Rebecca were all killed in the Ann Arbor area, which is about 40 miles from Detroit. So a task force led by Detective Paul Bunton was put together and they were working with next to nothing. No evidence, no eyewitnesses, nothing. Until a sergeant named James Arthurs contacted the task force and told them about how he was reading about the murders and someone he was familiar with may be involved. That person was Carl Watts. Okay, let's get into it. I love when people talk to each other. Like, if people really could communicate effectively, the world would be a much better place. 110%. He told them that Carl had been a suspect in similar crimes in the past. So at this point in his life, Carl's working at a trucking company with his stepfather. Um, He has a child of his own, got married to another woman, and is just living a surface-level normal life. Mm. Mm. Fuck him. He ended up getting divorced in 1980, which that woman knows she should have left a lot earlier, but whatever. His wife at the time said she was leaving because of his strange behavior, namely him being gone for hours and hours immediately after they have sex. Mm. So like they they bang and he disappears. He's gone for the whole night. Oh my God. What does that mean? It's probably like he's, turned on still is going to go get his rocks off by killing other women i don't know why he does that he did that maybe a part of him as a sexual sadist isn't to actually have sex with the victims Mm -hmm. maybe it's enough for him to kill them for him to get off that could be a thing i still don't know if he's a sexual sadist because i know that a lot of killers do kill because they enjoy it like it's pleasurable to them but I don't think it applies if they're not sexually doing something mm-hmm. within the MO, within the ritual of the killing. So they're just a sadist. Yeah. Plain and simple. I think Carl was secretly waiting for her to leave him because he's like, you know, I didn't want this bitch anyway. I wanted to go out here and hurt innocent women. And that's exactly what he kept doing. In July of 1980, 22-year-old Irene Kondratowicz who lived in Windsor, Ontario, as in Canada, was attacked with a knife and had her throat slit. So this nigga then, he then went over the the nation's line mm-hmm. to Canada and murdered? Yeah, Detroit and that area of Ontario, Windsor, are very close. close together. It's like they're right across from each other, so it's not too hard to get over there. But yeah, he was expanding. And thankfully, uh, Irene survived the attack. So we're happy about that. 20-year-old Sandra Dalpy was stabbed from behind. and She also survived. The Lord is Yay. good. 30-year-old Mary Angus was almost attacked, but she realized she was being followed and screamed. Period. Go for her. Go for her. She would later pick Carl out of a lineup, but wasn't 100% sure that he was her attacker. With Detroit and Windsor, like I said, being so close, somehow Carl's car was recorded leaving Windsor after all of those attacks. So he became the lead suspect for the task force. Because remember, the task force is on Carl's ass. They're trying to watch and see what he's doing, all of that. And he's steady killing. I'm sure he's aware that people are looking for him and he doesn't care. Good. Better for us. 
On November 15th, 1980, Carl was stalking a woman in Ann Arbor and the woman noticed him. She got scared and called police and she was hiding in a doorway while Kyle, while Carl was frantically looking for her, like in the area. And police arrived and even saw him looking for her like a crazy person. Wow. Yeah. When they pulled Carl over, they found screwdrivers in his car, some wood filing tools, and a book that had the name Rebecca Huff on it. And Rebecca was one of the victims that were killed in Ann Arbor in September of 1980. Wow. There we go. Yes. Why do you have her book? Right. Because you did it. Well, nothing fucking came of it. He was still somehow not locked up, somehow not connected to Rebecca's murder and nothing was done. Jeez Louise. I I don't know. You don't have a lot of resources, but slippery snake ass salamander Carl. For him to be like not all the way there, I don't know how he's getting away with it. I don't know either. Is he pretending he doesn't speak English? I genuinely don't know like (laughs) what, how he's tricking these damn people. I don't know either. Like, you know, in America, like the black man is the ultimate, the person who done it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if anything, you're afraid of him. So how is he skating by? I really don't know. I'm Mm. shocked. Yeah. Infuriated as well. Yeah. Carl was like, I'm sick of being here in Detroit. So in January of 1981, he decides to head to Texas. But before Mm. he goes to Texas, he's brought in by Detective Brunson, the head of the task force, because they had a warrant to get a blood sample from him. Okay. Now, this isn't the first warrant investigators have been granted when it comes to Carl. Like I said, they were tailing him, surveilling him, like watching his ass. There was a helicopter involved at some points. But they still didn't get anything usable. I read that he was able to even get away with the murder while being surveilled. Surveilled. It's just stupid. Law enforcement should be embarrassed every day. So after Carl was heavily questioned and submitted his blood sample, which, by the way, failed to link him to any of the crime scenes, he was, like I said, officially tired of that place and decided to get the fuck from Detroit and headed to Columbus, Texas, where he lived. But he would spend his weekends in Houston, which was about 70 miles away. So that's where he's going to continue being the Carl that we know and despise. It was too easy for Carl. All of this way was too way easy. too easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he didn't even have to try. All he had to say was, no, I didn't do it. But we have one of the murder victim's books in your car. and You claim you never met her. I don't know how it got there. Okay, sir, you're free to go. Like, what the fuck? Gave them everything they asked for. They asked for a blood sample. He gave it to them. Mm-hmm. You still can't link him. No. No. Either they're really bad or he's really good at not being caught. Yeah. He's one of those people. They call him the unseen. The ones that mm. nobody pays attention to. But I'm like, yeah. he's being surveilled. All eyes are on him. So I just don't. I just. I don't I don't understand. know, girl. I don't know. Now, Detective Button and the task force know Carl was relocating to Texas, so they decided to warn Texas police about Carl. Good job. Great job. Carl didn't give a shit. This didn't help anybody because he kept killing. And, I mean, the numbers just, the the frequency, it's going to blow your mind. So, 
rest in peace to everyone that lost their life in Michigan and the women that were attacked in Canada. Thank God you guys are safe, but this is horrendous. And I'm sorry you had to go through that. Rest in peace. On March 27, 1981, 34-year-old Edith Ledet was stabbed to death while jogging. So we're at nine victims right now. Okay. Two hours later, 21-year-old Susan Wolf was murdered as she got out of her car at her own damn house. On September 5th, 1981, Linda Tilly was attacked at her own apartment in Arlington, Texas, and drowned mm-hmm. in her own like bathtub. One week later, 25-year-old Elizabeth Montgomery was walking her dogs and was stabbed in the chest by Carl. And Jeez Louise. She didn't survive. In January of 1982, 27-year-old Phyllis Tam was found hanged in her Rice University dorm room. And another student, 25-year-old Margaret Fossey, was killed on campus in the same month. Kayla, he's bold. He's back on school campus knowing doggone well he has no business being there. What does he... He has no business... Krista, he's like a mechanic. He works as a mechanic. What the fuck could he possibly be doing on a school campus? And he doesn't look like a student. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, how is he getting in the girl's dorm room? I think around this time, he's still only, what, 29? So maybe he's coming off like an attractive person. I don't know what he did to let these women get their guards down or get this close to these women. I have no clue. This is insane. On February 7th, 20-year-old Elena Samander was found strangled and half-naked in a trash can near a tavern where she had been hanging out that night. So that kind of speaks to how maybe he was getting them to let their guards down. Maybe he was coming on to them or being flirty. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Mm -hmm. In March... Emily LaCroix was murdered and found in Brookshire, Texas. Emily was only 14 years old. Three nights later, 19-year-old Christine McDonald was hitchhiking home and went missing on the Rice University campus. And 25-year-old Suzanne Sears went missing on April 5th. 32-year-old Carrie Mae Jefferson went missing on April 15th. And 26-year-old Yolanda De Garcia was found stabbed six times the following night. This is just... Ooh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. These families. He's he's just moving and killing. Moving and killing. It don't even seem like, is there any thought to this? Because it just feels like whatever woman he's meeting, he's yeah. killing. Yeah, it doesn't even seem, just opportunity. If he has the opportunity, he's going to take it. And imagine and, the fear that's going on in the area right now. The families, the students at the school, all these women. I mean, people are probably fucking frantic absolutely i mean so far i've counted 18 victims just unbelievable and that's not including the missing women right right a high schooler named sherry Strait went missing on may 1st and her body was found on may 4th two weeks later 32 year old gloria cavallis was found in a dumpster wrapped in some curtains Houston police suspected Carl, and when they pulled up on his ass, they weren't able to find any evidence linking him to the Houston murders. So I guess they checked his car. There was nothing in there. On his person, nothing. The man is like a ghost, bitch. Carl don't got the knife on him. No. Carl doesn't have gloves. No. To show, like, he put some gloves on. No No. bloody clothes. No. No. Which is the most shocking part for me, like, all of these murders are relatively extremely violent. 
and bloody, how does he have no trace of any of that on him? That's what I'm saying. And they're not finding any near the scene. He right. doesn't have them in the trunk of his car. Like, right. nothing. Carl is not as dumb as we think. No. Some people may, like, be dumb when it comes to being, like, book smart type of thing. Right. But everyone's good at something. And some people are just good at being killers, regardless of how dumb we may think they are. That's a fact. Which means it may not be linked to intelligence, the instinct exactly. to kill. Exactly. I don't think it is. So it would take another six months before police would finally get the break they needed, but not before Carl was able to kill again. On May 23rd, 1982, Carl attacked two roommates, Lori Lister and Melinda Aguilar. He tied them up and tried to drown Lori in the bathtub, but failed. And Melinda was able to jump headfirst off of her balcony, screaming for help. Wow. And Lori was luckily saved by the neighbor that heard, you know, all the commotion that was going on. Okay. Melinda, survivor queen, would later say that she avoided death by letting her body go limp and pretending to be dead while Carl was choking her. Once he thought she was gone, he went into the other room and she said she remembered hearing him give a little jump and clap his hands as if he was like celebrating, excited, happy about what he just did. This is a grown tail man. To I jump know. and clap his hands for anything is giving weird. I know. So maybe his certain level of intelligence caps at a certain level, but his sadistic, terrible, violent nature and abilities is genius up level. Yeah. He's up there. Mm -hmm. Melinda said after she heard that, quote, I knew at that point he was enjoying what he was doing. Oh, Carol, what is actually going on? Like... Who are we talking about? It seems like two different people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really crazy. Carl is definitely a conundrum. An anomaly. <laughs> I would love to a never know anything more about. <laughs> a juxtaposition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't fuck with it. And Carl was still in the area because... Obviously, this is going on in real time. You know, Melinda escapes, gets help. Carl's still in there trying to take Lori out. But thankfully, police were able to arrest his ass soon after that. Sadly, the body of Michelle Madej would be found drowned in her bathtub in an apartment not too far away. So he went to her house first, took her life, and then came and attacked Lori and Melinda. Wow. Rest so rest in, in, rest in peace. Rest in peace to all of the victims, known and unknown, and we're going to talk about the unknown here in a second. Mm -hmm. Once in police custody, Carl initially refused to say anything, but eventually after being presented with a deal, he started singing. Mm. Uh -huh. I read that the assistant DA told Carl that he would give him immunity to the charge of murder if he confessed to his other murders. So if he confessed to murdering, yeah, yeah, it's confusing, but I'm going to explain it. So if he confessed to murders he committed in the past because they suspect him of at least 10 murders in Houston alone, they won't charge him with attempting to murder the woman. They will only charge it with breaking and entering with intent to murder. Okay. And that's mm -hmm. only for the Houston woman? That's only for Lori and Melinda. Okay. Right. That's what they're able to charge him with, the attack that they caught him red-handed in doing, where both women survived. So it sounds, it sounds to me it's a little wonky, honestly, but the prosecutor said he wanted to do anything that he could to get some closure for the families. 
because they had like 50 unsolved murders in Houston at that point and they were desperate. I was going to say, if anything, I'd be desperate to get him off the streets. Yeah. If I can't link him to these murders, but I know in my gut he did them, mm-hmm. then I'm going to do everything I can to get him off the streets, even if that results in a plea deal. Yep. And that's what they were doing. So either way, Carl ended up confessing to attacking 19 women and killing 13 of them. And that's just in Houston. My God. Yeah. So imagine what he was doing. I mean, he's been in Michigan. I saw that he was in West Virginia for a little bit when he was younger. Canada. Who fucking knows? Look at him. Yeah. Same eyes, same death stare. Like, my goodness. I just want to know, like, how is he able to disarm and make these women feel comfortable? Like, you're getting access to a lot of women to be attacking them, to be right up on them. Yeah. But to be fair, I don't think he needs that much time to make them. I don't think he even needs them to feel comfortable with him. I think once he has he's in the vicinity of how close he needs to be to do what he needs to do. I think that's it. And that's over. And if he's sneaky enough, he can walk up behind you like a lot of women were catching him following them type of thing. I mean, you wouldn't have a a shot. Carl even confessed to the non-fatal stabbing of a 19-year-old in Galveston. He confessed to the murder of 22-year-old Linda Tilly, who was found floating in an Austin swimming pool. He led investigators to the remains of Susan Sears, Searless, and Carrie Mae Jefferson. So he's given them the tea. And as yeah. time went on, as time went on, Carl ended up confessing to over 80 murders in Michigan and Canada. And Houston all together or just Michigan and Canada. Girl, please don't even ask me that. I don't even want to picture it. He was active killing women for eight years and was not stopped. So his victim numbers are probably unimaginable. Absolutely. And the thing is, it's crazy because in Canada, they never really found anyone or mentioned anyone or tied anybody to Carl explicitly. But he claims he's killed so many people there. Like, what the f- What? And it's like, Carl, are you lying about how many people you <laughs> killed? Do you want people to just, do you just want to be remembered? And so you're embellishing? Right. That's my wish, but I highly doubt it. My God. This yep. man is a ghost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he admitted to killing people in Michigan and Canada, but he didn't. Uh, share any details in regards to it because he didn't have immunity for those so he could still be charged if he said too much he ain't too dumb exactly carl's a dick he goes on trial for what he did to Lori and melinda but remember he won't be charged with murder or attempted murder so the prosecutor got a little creative he was able to say that the water in the bathtub was used as a deadly weapon weapon and that charge made carl ineligible for the good conduct reductions so in other words, Carl can't get his time reduced in prison because he's behaving. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Great. Right. Baby boy found a little loophole to try to keep Carl in jail, keep Carl in prison. Correct. As long as he can. On September 3rd, 1982, 29-year-old Carl was found guilty and sentenced to 60 years in prison. The judge was quoted to have said, quote, I hope they put you so deep in the penitentiary that they'll have to pipe sunlight to you. Wow. Damn. Wasn't fucking with Carl at all. Like, 
it's not just Melinda mm-hmm. and baby girl. Mm-mm. It's more. Yeah. Everybody knows that it's so many more. Right. It's not about what you know. It's about what you can prove. But that 60-year sentence wouldn't stick. In October of 1987, the court decided that Carl's rights were violated because he wasn't told that the water was considered a deadly weapon. So in their minds, he's basically supposed to know what's going on. He needs to know what he's facing. He needs to know that he won't be eligible for good time earned if he's charged with this, that type of thing. And they're saying because they didn't tell him, his rights were violated. So in 1989, he was reclassed as a non-violent offender. And granted the good time earned, which adds up to three days knocked off for every good one day, which is fucking ridiculous. And that meant that Carl would be released in May 2006 after serving a little less than 25 years. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. First of all, who said he was a nonviolent offender? Who said that? You can see the only thing record. He's violent. Very much so. This is ridiculous. Carl got yeah. some um, some spirits on his side. The Grim Reaper himself. Mm-hmm. That's what it's giving. But Michigan hasn't given up on trying Carl for the murders he committed there, though. And Houston still planned to prosecute him for a murder he admitted to, but didn't receive immunity for, and that was the one for 14-year-old Emily LaCroix. Okay. Fast forward about 15 years... A man named Joseph Foy, who was living in Michigan, came forward and claimed that he witnessed someone matching Carl's description kill a woman named Helen Dutcher. And there indeed was a woman, 36-year-old Helen Dutcher, that was stabbed to death on December 1st, 1979. Mm. So this is seems like a good deal. Slam dunk. 15 he witnessed years it. later. I know. I know. The man picked Carl out of a lineup by just like his eyes. He said he remembered how evil and void of emotion they were. Ooh. Yeah, it's giving heebie-jeebies. Yeah. But prosecutors felt like having an eyewitness but no physical evidence was a bit of a stretch. So they asked the judge if they could admit Carl's confessions from Texas as evidence. Okay. So, yeah, all the murders he confessed to, they wanted this court to hear it. And I'm glad the judge was like, yes. And and what else can we add from that trial? Right. And give me some other stuff. And yeah. I'll sign off. Because what else you got? We need to nab this guy. Yeah. They need to nab him. So the trial was in 2004. He was formally charged with the murder of Helen Dutcher and was found guilty. Guilty. Ten days after his 51st birthday, Carl Watts was sentenced to a life sentence without the possibility of parole. And on September 13th, 2007, he was also found guilty and sentenced to life in prison for the murder of 20-year-old Gloria Steele. Wow. Yep. And by September 21st, 2007, he would be dead. What happened? Prostate cancer. Mm. Mm. Mm-mm. His balls got him. Men, get your prostate checks. Kayla's actually in your booty hole. Oh. Oh. And there are booty holes. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. 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 So he was a killer for eight years that we know of. Dozens of innocent young women. I'm disgusted. Mm -hmm. I'm sick. I am mortified. I am horrified. My heart's broken. Mm -hmm. And how was he able to do this? And why did he even do this? So I said we were going to talk about 
both of these things. Carl was a slippery motherfucker. He was low-key, easily ignored, and went oftentimes unnoticed. Kristen, you mentioned that. The Unseen. But I think his... on Netflix. (laughs) Okay. But I think his main, like, saving grace was the fact that he attacked in different areas and not sexually assaulting his victims. Meaning, you know, he didn't leave much DNA evidence behind for investigators to test. And I never saw that he left the murder weapon behind either. So that helped even more. Carl was not a a dummy. No, he was not a novice. He was not new to this. He was true to this. And as far as why he did it, well, Carl would later admit that he had a pathological hatred for women. He deemed women as being evil incarnate. Um, He remembers first experiencing these feelings when he was a kid and he'd found out that his favorite uncle was killed by some of his female relatives. Mm. So that's kind of where it all started for him. And But I'm like, Carl, what about your mama? What about your sisters? Like, are are you just, like, saying, oh, I don't see them. I'm only going to yeah. focus on the one that, you know, hurt me. Yeah. And therefore, I'm going to take it out on all other women. And then I have another, I have a question. Yeah. Did his victim pool continue to be white women when he went to Houston? So, yes. he. I think he only, from the pictures that I can, that I was able to find, and I'll include all of these on Patreon, um, there was only one black victim, and that was Gloria Steele. And that's just from the picture that I can see. She looks black from the picture. I'm not even sure. So he definitely targeted more so white women, which is strange because his female relatives aren't white. But, you know, maybe that comes from something else that he's harboring inside of him. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, he is one of the worst ever to do it and the disconnect that he has and you can see it in his face i mean it's scary it's genuinely scary it be the ones you don't really pay attention to mm-hmm. the ones who look harmless the ones who you wouldn't bat an eye for those yeah. are the very ones that you need to watch out for absolutely because they're betting on you to have that thought process when you see them they're betting on that lack of awareness and we just can't afford to be unaware ever no you're killing people at their door you know in the safety of their home and their bathtub no absolutely not we cannot afford to not be watchful a psychiatrist diagnosed carl as a paranoid schizophrenic and said carl viewed the world around him quote as pure fantasies which revolve to a large extent around the struggle against the evil he sees everywhere end quote Mm. well you must see evil everywhere because he attracts evil damn it he is evil he is any good the evil that he sees is himself and i wonder like i wonder if carl said he hears voices mm -hmm. or you know the psychologist was saying putting the pieces together it's like okay this is giving a schizophrenic well i think he had to have said that maybe he had those experiences but then again hearing voices doesn't automatically mean that you're schizophrenic that could be you know a a symptom of something else um but it is commonly attached to schizophrenia so maybe he did hear things i didn't see it actually mentioned anywhere but who knows what that man was going through what was going on in his mind since he was young and skinning animals i mean this is somebody who has a 
track record, a history, a file of being mentally messed up. Yeah. And he goes and does these crimes. He's let go in his earlier years. This was totally preventable. Mm -hmm. Carl was preventable. Yep, absolutely. But now he's dead. So we don't Mm. have to worry about him. We just have to worry about all the other serial killers that are out here. And And we won't worry. Negroes. No, no, no. We will be prepared. We'll stay prayed up. We'll stay, you know, what what we need in our hands. Mm -hmm. We'll stay vigilant. Eyes are open. Mm -hmm. And we're going to stay safe. Period. (laughs) So that's our case for this week, you guys. We really hope you enjoyed it. It was kind of a longer one. We've been doing those lately, I think. Mm-hmm. But yes, yes, yes. We love you guys. We can't wait to head to Richmond this weekend. It's y'all people too. Period. Richmond, we are coming to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Super excited. Let us know what you thought about this episode. And if you enjoy the show all together, please leave us a five-star review. And before we go, as you already know, be safe, protect your peace, and protect your space. So we don't have to cover your case, friend. We do Period. not want to cover your case, friend. Okay, <laughs> we love you we so love much. Y'all. Yes. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can stream all of our episodes on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and even Facebook. It's the best way to help the show grow, and it's completely free. For bonus content, you can find us on Patreon. And for more information about the show, you can visit BlackTrueCrime.com. See you next time.